We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Welcome to The Timeline, a Phoenix Suns podcast slash YouTube channel. My name is Mike. Man. I'm here with Sam. <laughs> Sam, how you doing? Well, I'll tell you what, Mike. It's it's 12.45 in the morning now. We're trying to get this, <laughs> we're trying to get, get this up and running. Um, I'm doing great because the Suns just won a basketball game. They scraped by. Um, if this were a normal podcast, I would say we have a lot to talk about. But the premise of what we're doing here on the YouTube channel, it's still going to go on our podcast feed later. But the premise is a little bit different. Oh, why, why don't you uh, break it down yeah. for the people? I mean, the idea is that it's going to be kind of like a post-game radio show where we come on and talk to you guys and take your questions about the team, about the game, maybe in place of mailbags because it's it's just more direct interaction with you guys. And, and that's the idea um, around this. So, I, you know, obviously... You guys are here in the chat. We'll take questions from you. We already got one, and I like it, actually. John Reyes says, Mike, you need to address your eight and isn't ready to win take. I'm glad to, ah, I'm glad to address that. I'm glad to address that. The key the, with DeAndre Ayton is consistency. It's always going to be consistency. He was amazing today. His, I, I think it was his best game of his career. Do you agree with that, Sam, just from that take alone? Um, yeah, I mean, look, recency bias is a thing. So, you know, yeah. I think when I'm in a more clear Five state blocks, of tomorrow... Though. I'll think about it. No, but I think my initial take is that this was the best game of DeAndre Ayton's career. I'm looking at the box score. So just just so you guys at home know how the setup is working here. If you have a question, it kind of has to go to Mike because he's the only one who can see the YouTube chat. Um, I'm sharing my screen here just in case we uh, have any stats 
we kind of want to look. And, and in the box score here, DeAndre Ayton, 26 points, 17 rebounds, three assists, five blocks, lockdown defense. Um, sincerely, it's not just about DeAndre Ayton. Like him and Mikhail Bridges tonight mm-hmm. as a defensive tandem, you really saw the full potential of just how terrifying those two are because the only way that Houston was going to win this game was on the backs of Victor Oladipo and Christian Wood. Yeah. Mikhail Bridges and Ayton were the guys, the direct assignments for those two guys tonight and they shut them both down. It was, it was incredible. Yeah. And with DeAndre, and just to address the question initially with DeAndre and the key is for him to be consistently great. I never doubted that he can have great games and multiple great games in a row is great. If he can t- continue to show this specific type of game over and over again, not necessarily these stats. It's, it can be unfair. I think it's unfair for most players to expect any like specific level of stats in a game because you're setting them up for some kind of failure. But the type of play, protecting the rim that he was, not shooting shots outside of the paint unless it's from the three-point line, that's exactly what we want of him. And dribbling. like right. He had a few moments of actually yes. basket, getting to the line. Those are all things that we've been asking for. So if he can continue to do that, then it's great. But it's just about being consistent. Yeah, it's about it's about the dribbling. It's about the aggression, like you said. I mean, the last game, I've got his game log pulled up right here. Um, it hasn't updated, obviously, for, for tonight yet because it's basketball reference. It won't update till tomorrow morning. But 18 points. He only had 18 points in the last game. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's good. But it's like, you know, I, I guess it's just important to note the bar isn't we've never set a very high statistical bar for DeAndre because it's not about that. Mm-hmm. It's about a lot of the stuff that um, automatically see in a in a stat sheet. Now, some of the stuff you can see in a stat sheet. It's always nice to have more blocks. It's always nice that that he's one of the best rebounders uh, in the NBA. And that's very clear already. Um, but he can have 16, 18 points and still dominate a game. And we've seen those from him before, too. It doesn't have to be uh, 25 like he had tonight. That being said, the other thing I think you can see in the in the box score here, he's already had one really good two-game stretch this season. He had uh, 22 points and 11 uh, against Denver, and then he followed it up with 24 and 8 against the... Mm-hmm. Sam. Really good back to back. Oh, there you are. We lost you for a second there. <laughs> oh shit! I'm sorry. My internet connection might be a little bit spotty. Um, where what was the last thing you heard from me? Uh, I'm not sure. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Point is, consistency is the key for DeAndre Ayton. He showed it tonight. Somebody, uh, Mr. Storm 2000 said, tw- uh, let's see. Actually, no, Anton said, glaring team stats, 25% from three and 17 turnovers. Two big areas of improvement for this game. I like that. I What I actually wanted to say about that specific thing is that there are times when the Suns will go up by, there are times in this season where the Suns have gone up by big numbers. And so much of that has been based on three-pointers just dropping over and over and over again. And I do feel like that in this game, the fact that they were able to pull up by so much without relying on the three-pointers, to me, pointed to more actual chemistry growing than before because any team can hit a bunch of threes in a game. But to be able to actually build on a lead and do really well, even if they had some trouble closing out the game at the end there, uh, to be able to build that lead without hitting a ton of threes, I thought was really impressive and something that's really important for this team. They can't just rely on three-pointers dropping over and over and over again. I want them to take yeah. a lot of threes. I think that's important. But I think to be able to hit those, uh, to be able to hit shots outside of that is important. And I thought they did a good job of that tonight. What did you think? 
Yeah, I mean, look, when you look at a box score, any box score, three-point shooting and turnovers are going to be the two things, two of the first things that you look, where it's like if you do well in those areas, you're more likely to win the game. Um, For the Suns to win a game where they shot 24% from deep and had 17 turnovers, that's really impressive. And to me, with what I saw specifically tonight, I think what it shows is that they saw um, exploitable aspects of Houston's system, and they were able to successfully exploit that. Houston was not a disciplined defensive team. Um, the Suns are not, we know the Suns are not a team that gets to the free throw line a whole lot, yeah. but tonight they got to the free throw line. They made the most of their opportunities. Um, they, they got Houston to bite and, and for them to do some stupid closeouts where they fouled jump shooters. Uh, and the other thing that I think we saw today, Mike, is, uh, that they pushed the pace a little bit more and that really matters. And, uh, you know, with a team like Houston, that was not that disciplined defensively, they've got athletes for sure, but, but their team concept is what I'm talking about when I say it was a little bit more exploitable. Um, they didn't get back on defense and the Suns noticed that and they were able to effectively punish them in transition. That's not something that we've necessarily seen from the Suns in the past. And, and look, I think the Suns are still going to be a slower team this year. And I think they can still succeed as generally a slower team. But knowing when to turn it on and off and shift into a higher gear and push the pace a little bit is really important. Um, and it definitely helped them tonight. Yeah. I agree with that. We got a couple questions and forgive me guys, the the chat's moving pretty quick here. So if I miss your name or something like that, I apologize. I'm doing my best to keep up here. Uh, first of all, thank you everyone for watching live. This is great. We've never done this before. So we appreciate you uh, being here with us. Uh, some people were asking about the starting lineup. Should Cameron Johnson stay in the starting lineup or should Jake Crowder switch back into that starting lineup uh, role and I think there's something to that a little bit. Uh, first, I'd say I actually like Cameron Johnson. I'd like to keep doing this for a while, specifically because he's capable of pushing the pace in ways that Jay Crowder can't. Jay Crowder gets the rebound. He's most likely going to look for Chris Paul or Devin Booker and give them the ball as quickly as possible, let them dribble it up, which is fine. And that's something that I would want him to do, just, just thinking about the flow of the game. Cameron Johnson gets the rebound. He's off down the court as fast as possible. But the one thing I will say, and I want to give a shout out to David Nash because I thought he did a really good job writing about this. Jay Crowder does really well when he's wide open. Yeah. And outside of the starting lineup, he's going to struggle being wide open. Those shots are not going to be as easy for him. He yeah. has done a good job of finding other people and setting other people up with some nice passes but uh, I think there is something that could struggle. But I think with that that bench lineup, the reason I like it and I think it'll be fine is the defense is, I think, going to be what carries it. I do want to talk about the bench a little bit more. But before we move on to that uh, starting lineup, what do you think after two games? Yeah, I mean, can, can I be honest and say that I don't think I have a major opinion either way? I think it can work either way because I think that was never the issue. But what I will say about Jay, to echo your point about the shooting, I've seen a lot of sets from the Suns in the past couple of games where it kind of feels like he's in that power forward slot and he's sitting a screen at the top of the key and then he's popping out to take those sort of top of the key above the break threes. And a lot of them end up contested like you would see from Cam Johnson. And if it's Cam Johnson taking that shot, uh, it's a good shot. But if it's Jay Crowder taking that shot, I just, I don't really think he's designed to, to play like that. And I, I'm not going to say that that's the entire reason he shot two for 10, uh, from deep tonight. I don't think that's the entire reason he did that, but I do think it is a factor. He's definitely a guy we know just kind of from his career. He takes those above the break contested threes. Maybe that's a 31, 32% shot. You can live with it. He takes open corner threes. That's more like a 40 to 45% shot. 
um, for his career. So you definitely kind of want to try to find ways to optimize him. Um, but also to your point, I mean, the defense does improve when you put Jay Crowder in the game, no doubt. He's he's consistently, I think, maybe the Suns' best um, help team defender, uh, I think, wouldn't be a stretch to call him that. So he obviously has his uh, his own merit and value over Cam. Something interesting, I think, happened with the bench in this game, and it's related. Somebody's asking about uh, my thoughts, our thoughts, on Chris Paul's performance in this game statistically nothing super impressive but there was something that happened in this game that I thought was interesting uh it was Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton minutes with what I just called wings and they were varying wings at times it was Mikhail Bridges Cameron Johnson and Abdul Nader who was not terrible in this game other times it was Mikhail Bridges Cameron Johnson and Jay Crowder and I thought that was especially interesting because if DeAndre Ayton continues to be as aggressive as he is currently being you can build an effective offense around Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton pick and rolls as long as you guys have as long as they have guys that are reliable three point shooters outside of that. And there were times this season where uh, Langston Galloway would come in the game and just light up the court with three pointers. His he's got that insanely fast release. He's able to get shots off as quickly as possible. That's been great. But what happened in this game is Langston Galloway did not play at all. And what they did instead of that, I'm not sure if anything else is going on with Langston. Maybe we'll hear something about that in the postgame thing. But what they did instead of that is they played these bench lineups with three bigger guys with DeAndre Ayton and, uh, and, and Chris Paul in there. Oh, looks like I lost Sam. Hopefully he can get back in here. And I thought that was especially interesting because what they were able to do with that specific lineup is they can keep the de- defense going really well and with the defense actually pretty good they're and they're capable of keeping that defense going as good as possible I think that's really impressive uh it's difficult to keep Langston Galloway in the game as good as he has been offensively I think he has struggled defensively it's tough for him to guard uh some guys but um I think the bench it's tif- it's it's easy to talk about what the bench is doing right now but I think a lot of that is going to change once Dario Saric is back and healthy. So that's that's the important thing. Uh, it looks like Sam lost his internet, so I'm going to go solo a little while here, guys. Uh, <laughs> we'll see if Sam's internet comes back. Sam is in New York, uh, so he's relying on different uh, internet than I am here. I still would like to take some of your guys' questions. I'll go solo for a while here. Um, nothing I'm used to, but hey, we'll give it a try. Someone said they take Alex Len over Frank and Jones. I get that. I do think that Frank Kaminsky has not been as terrible on defense this year as he was last year. I'm not sure if that's going to be entirely sustained. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
and listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I also think Frank Kaminsky is capable of doing things on offense that Alex Lynn was not. For example, Frank Kaminsky was actually averaging more drives than DeAndre Ayton before the last two games. And even if Frank Kaminsky's drives do look kind of ugly, I do think they still help the team out a little more than Alex Len's inability to drive would, even if his defense has been pretty good. Alex Len over Damian Jones, I think, is a pretty good discussion. <laughs> That's something that I don't uh, completely hate. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Uh, Steve Shoemate, forgive me guys if I'm pronouncing your name names wrong, said any comments on the pace tonight? I liked the pace tonight. I thought they made a distinct effort to play faster, and that was important for for the team to play a little bit faster. I thought it was smart for them to play faster. The one thing I will say, to start this game out, there was a lot of sloppy turnovers, and those turnovers were by Chris Paul, and they were by Devin Booker. When Chris Paul and Devin Booker get turnovers like that, it's ugly. If those turnovers were a result of trying to speed up the game a little bit, I liked it. Uh, you know, I want them to play a little bit faster. If I said it on Twitter, if that means that the sort of learning curve for this is going to be a few extra turnovers due to speeding up the pace a little bit, I think in the long run, that's going to be worth it. Uh, so I think that may have happened in this game a little bit. All right, let's see. We should make Jalen our backup center and Dario our power forward off the bench. We have not gotten a chance to see Jalen Smith and Dario Saric. Thank you, Antonio, for the question, by the way. We have not gotten a chance to see uh, Dario Saric and Jalen Smith play together yet, really, because Jalen Smith has been sick. I actually really like the idea of Jalen Smith and Dario playing together. Dario Saric, one of the reasons he benefited in the bubble and played so well in the bubble was because of five out. I think we'll commonly attribute that on this podcast to playing center because in a sense he has been playing center but if you watch a lot of the highlights from the bubble what you'll notice is that Dario is also playing with Frank Kaminsky in those minutes in the bubble and I think the reason it worked with Frank Kaminsky is Frank Kaminsky doesn't need to be under the rim for his offense to be effective he can be behind the three-point line so Jalen Smith his his ability to shoot could actually help uh, with that. So it looks like Sam's trying to get back in here. Let me try and get him in. All right. Sam, are you here? Oh, there he is. <laughs> Sam, can you hear me? Free me. <laughs> Look at Yo, you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, I 
Yeah, sorry about that, guys. I I have no idea what happened. Uh, my internet went out for a second. I'm back. What's going on? <laughs> well, I I before we do anything else, I want to give a shout out to John Bloom, who actually does radio by himself a lot. Because what oh, I just did now, sort of juggling yeah. everything on my own here, it's not easy. So shout out to no. him. John's uh, a legend. Yeah, <laughs> shout out to him. Uh, let's see. Anyone else have any questions now that Sam is back? Sam, if you if you have anything to share, you can. If you just want to keep it like this, it's fine. It's just got our, our Twitter pictures here. Uh, yeah, this is fine. Okay, this is cool. fine with me. Okay, cool. Probably keep it simple. Uh, let's see. Sharitz Sharitz should have average five free throw attempts a game. Dude gets no calls in his favor. This is honestly Sharitz not getting calls is one of the things I love to get on my soapbox about because Saric, he pump fakes, he gets hit. He doesn't get those calls often. I actually do think he should average uh, more free throws a game. Uh, what something they, uh, something somebody asked about Sam while you were gone is Jalen Smith and Dario Saric playing together. Oh. Uh, I think the point I made, and I wonder if you, if you agree with this because you did just recently do that great Dario Saric video. If you haven't watched it, if you're a new subscriber to our YouTube channel, Check out our video on Dario Saric that posted recently. Sam did all the work. I don't know why I'm saying our. Uh, but something I said that I think is is I'd like to hear your thoughts on is we commonly attribute Saric finding himself in the bubble to playing center, but I think a lot of a lot more of that has to do with playing five out because if you mm-hmm. watch some of the highlights in the bubble, you'll see that he actually was on the court with Frank Kaminsky for some of those minutes, maybe not a lot of them. I know we can look up those uh, those stats. What do you think about that? No, I think you're 100% right. It's, it's not just about playing center. And I think some people got the impression from that video um, that I was saying he should only be a center going forward. That's not what I'm saying at all. Um, he's a hybrid which is a good thing. He can still play power forward. And I think Jalen Smith playing center is is the type of pairing that would work potentially. I mean, look, from from everything I know about Jalen, he's um, he may be still a, a ways away from just returning to the court in the first place and then looking good. I mean, he may have been pretty sick. Um, I have no idea, obviously, but it's yeah. just, you know, so I, I wouldn't bank on seeing that pairing together necessarily any time in the super near future, but eventually I would like to, because I definitely think it could work. Can I quickly get on my soapbox about something? Yeah. Not even my soapbox. Did anyone ask about Langston Galloway? No, but I talked talked about him a little bit, but is anyone else wondering out there? Again, I can't see the chat. Sorry guys. Mm -hmm. But is anyone else wondering why Langston Galloway didn't play? Because my he wasn't on uh the injury report. And I thought Abdul Nader, uh, by the way, played pretty well. Yeah. I don't know if anyone asked about that either. But Langston is a is a sharpshooter. I mean, he had that game a couple games ago where he came in, he dropped like 17 points in three minutes or something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's a guy who I think deserves a surefire spot in the rotation, right. even if it's only 10 to 12 spot minutes, hit a few threes, especially on a night like tonight where you shot 26% from deep. I'm curious if any of the reporters asked Monty about that. I didn't I didn't see it because it's. I understand it's not like super yeah. important. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting. Stood well, out my to me theory, for sure. my theory that I had while you were gone <laughs> was <laughs> defense. I think that he actually yeah. struggled quite a bit defensively uh, recently, and I think that they kind of sacrificed that offense for a little more defense around Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton. So that that that's my theory. I don't know. I wonder if they asked that as well. Somebody asked a really interesting question. Let me see. I'm sorry if I missed your name. Oh. Rocket Doggy. <laughs> Rocket Doggy asked, 
who's been the best player so far this year? I actually find that to be a really interesting yeah. question because Devin Booker struggled, Chris Paul struggled, DeAndre Ayton struggled now, back-to-back, excellent games, making a case for him. Mikhail Bridges has had games where he looks like the best player. And uh, I guess that's really the only four guys that can probably be in that conversation, I would say. What do you think? I don't know, man. I think the system doesn't survive without Chris Paul and Devin Booker, but neither of them have looked like themselves. I'm almost tempted to say Mikhail Bridges. Um, and and it's it's hard because I don't think it's a fair apples to apples comparison when you compare any of these guys. Like Mikhail Bridges is getting easier looks objectively than Devin Booker and Chris right, Paul. Right. The reason Mikhail Bridges, it is nice. Don't get me wrong; it's nice that he takes guys off the dribble sometimes now. But the reason Mikhail still gets most of his shots open from the wing or the corner is because someone else is creating that for him. So, in a way, it's not fair. But he's shooting really well. And he's, I mean, you know, Oladipo went, let me go to the box score again real quick. Oladipo went 7 of 22 tonight. You know, that was Mikhail Bridges. Yeah, that's a good um, point. So I don't know. I mean, I just, I, I'm still, but if it's anyone, it's really close. Let me ask you this. CJ McCollum just went down. He's going to be out for a while. James Harden just got traded from Houston. Obviously, Clay's out the whole year. It feels to me, and this is something I tweeted out the other day, it feels like Devin Booker is a gift-wrapped all-star spot. But he needs to like he needs to deserve it a little bit, <laughs> you know, like it really wouldn't be hard for him to be an all star this year if the Suns are good. But right now, I don't even know if I mean, he he needs to just cut down on the turnovers a little bit. Average like 23, 24 points per game, maybe right now he's close to like 21, 22. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know what you think about that. But it, it like it feels like it would be easier. Devin Booker has been snubbed much harder before than he would be this year. Um, but he does have to kind of earn it. If the Suns can continue to be well above 500 and in the playoff conversation, basically six seed or above, uh, and he's averaging over 20 points, he's going to get the All Star nod. I think. No. <laughs> like I'm not. I'm not super worried about that. I don't think they. I don't think there's a statistical case to say that Chris Paul deserves it at this point. I there's sort of a legacy case to say that he could get there. Yeah. Though. I yeah. mean, all it takes is you know five if or Chris six Paul's, games. Yeah. Yeah. If Chris Paul gets up to averaging 16 and nine. And Booker's averaging 20 and four, <laughs> you know, those are pretty uh, mediocre stats, I think, for these guys, for what we were expecting from them. But yeah. it doesn't really matter when you're eight and five, as long as you're winning games, who who the hell cares what their stats are at the end of the day, right? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I wonder if there could be, if DeAndre Ayton can keep this up, if there could be some sort of case uh, for him to make the all-star team at some mm-hmm. point, if he continues to be really good. Uh, someone named, I think, Pash or Patch said, which non which non Suns player have you guys enjoyed to watch a lot of lately? I have two guys that come to mind. I'll give you a second to think about it. Uh, Sam Colin Sexton, who had an insane game mm. tonight, so it's a good night to talk about him. I think has been absolutely amazing. I think it's it's kind of fascinating to watch the Cleveland team because Cleveland is based on like their entire. Th- system is is two small guards like neither i don't think either one of those guys are like above six two and a half maybe yeah and to have a team that that is playing that well with two tiny guys kind of leading the way is fascinating and i think what that takes is good shooting but also i think colin sexted being playing bigger than he is because he's so aggressive defensively is what allows them to do that so i think he's been one guy for me the other guy is shea in okc sga I love the way he plays. 
I actually think watching OKC last year was fascinating because although Chris Paul was on the team and made them really good and Dennis Schroeder was on the team and it made them really good, that's what allowed them to be so good, that three-guard lineup that they can run. I did. It did make me think about Devin Booker's development. And there was a period of time when Devin Booker was developing that we were able to give him the ball and allow him to run 50 pick and rolls a game. And it was okay if he had nine turnovers at the end of the game because the Suns weren't going to win a ton of games at the end of the season. And that sort of struggle allowed him to get better over time. And I just kind of wished that we were able to see that out of SGA. And we now are. And it turns out after that year with Chris Paul and after that year with Dennis Schroeder, it's going really well. SGA has been really good this season. I like guards, so those are my two guys that I first think of mm-hmm. that they're sort of the most fun to watch, but Jokic is also in there for me. Uh, what yeah. do you think, Sam? Uh, I'll, I'll contrast you. I'll go with a couple bigs. Um, Jeremy Grant is a guy I watched a lot of last year, and I profiled uh, right here on our very own YouTube channel. And um, he's the guy who's made me eat my words the most. I think Suns fans saw it up close when we lost to the Pistons. A lot of people were expecting us to steamroll that team. And uh, and Jeremy Grant, the first five or six games, just for the background context, he's averaging more points per game than any of the superstars in L.A., right? So more than LeBron, more than A.D., more than Kawhi, more than P.G., which right there is insane. And, and the first five or six games that I saw it happening, I was like, this has to be, there's no way it's going to regress. Uh, he, you know, he's just getting lucky with his three point shot. Something has to, something, something's fishy here. And now we're 12 games in and, and, you know, the Pistons aren't good because they don't have a talented roster, but they are good when Jeremy Grant is on the floor. And, you know, I'm a very firm believer being a Suns fan. And I think you have to be, if you're a Suns fan and you've, and you've watched the past several years in defending the players who are on bad teams, but who make their teams better when they're on the floor. And I think there's a increasingly a case for Jeremy Grant that he's that guy um, to the point where, you know, I've read some good analysis. I follow a lot of Pistons people that I like uh, online. And I read one analysis today of just he's he's grown exponentially as an isolation score because he's such an athletic guy. Mm-hmm. But in the past, when he was in Denver and, and in other teams, you weren't really able to trust his handle. Well, he seems to have tightened up his handle enough that he feels comfortable dribbling the ball and really scoring in those ISO situations. And. It's just interesting. The reason it's so interesting to me, Mike, is here you have a guy who's averaging like 25 and six. He's like maybe 26, 27 years old. I don't know exactly off the top of my head, but it kind of turns around everything I've ever known about player development, because there is just always this belief that you're five, six years into your career. You were drafted as this raw guy who wasn't really expected to score in that way. He, He bet on himself. He took a big swing. Everyone mocked the acquisition that Detroit made over the offseason. And look, we're only 12 games in, but it looks like it's paid off and it looks like he can actually do this thing, which I think that's just, it's there's something very admirable about that. Um, And another guy I want to just throw a shout to is uh, Nikola Vucevic out in uh, Orlando. Um, I think some people, Max Hodder asked me on Twitter, uh, I don't know if he's in the chat, but he asked me on Twitter before we went live on this thing, if DeAndre Ayton keeps playing like this, what sort of center would he be you know like where would he rank top two top three top top five yeah it's a fascinating Um, question it's a question and and i think we can talk about it right now but you know i think for him to get into that upper echelon like for me there's if ayton keeps playing like this he can easily soar past the guys who are one-dimensional centers that haven't proven that they can really survive in a playoff setting right like a guy like rudy gobert great defensive impact but i'm not necessarily worried about him in comparison to ayton if ayton keeps playing like this 
Um, but but there is that upper, upper echelon of centers. And I think it's bigger than people expect. Obviously, it's got Embiid and obviously it's got Jokic. Um, but the other two guys who I think uh, would really make it hard for Aiden to be top five, like he has to really prove that he's top five, is Vucevic, who's averaging something like 23-10. He puts the ball on the floor. He gets assists. He's playing better defense this year. Um, kind of just commands that Orlando team inside and out. Um, and Bam Adebayo, who obviously we saw in the finals last year, but increasingly adds to his pull-up game um, and and his off-the-dribble shooting, yeah. which if he can master that, he's just like a, a, an amazing modern center in so many ways. So, you know, I think when we have the conversation about eight and ceiling, where's his ceiling? I think it's top five uh, center in the league for sure. Um but you know, it's 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 not it's just not a given that he like outplays you know guys like that. Like he has to really prove it, and and those guys are doing it consistently. And Vooch in particular mm. is this is like his tenth year in the league or something, and he's just criminally underrated, basically year in and year out. So I want to give him some respect. Yeah, that was a good one. I think it's a weird year where, uh, for the first time in a long time, there could be you could make the case that two centers are number one and number two in the MVP race right now in Embiid and Jokic. And it's tough to, you know, if, if Aiton played like he did today every single game, then yeah, obviously he'd be in that conversation. But like I said, it's, it's cap- he's capable of having a great game without that kind of performance every single night. Um, this is a funny one. Respect 21 said Poku is Dragon yeah. Bender with the confidence of LeBron. <laughs> yeah, I love that kid. I love him so much. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, I lost the question, but somebody said, if you're getting jumped in a dark alley and you had to pick one Suns player, uh, to defend you, who would it be? (laughs) That's an interesting question. I think on the team right now, Jay Crowder, right? Yeah, it's gotta be Jay. It's It's like, who's the, who's the toughest guy on this team? It's gotta be Jay, right? It's gotta be Jay Crowder. I mean, Mikhail's got that reach. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but Mikhail's a softie. I mean, I I love Mikhail, you know, but I think it's I think it's got to be Jay. Also, if you're getting jumped in a dark alley, chances are whoever's jumping you is still not going to be bigger than Jay Crowder. Like <laughs> Jay Crowder is still a very large human. Yeah, I agree by that. Any let's see any other questions uh, from anybody before we take off? We're going to try and keep these to around half an hour. Try to make. I'm it glad palatable. I could jump in yeah. back here at the end. Sorry to leave you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you let me ISO for a while. Uh, some some a few people are giving shout outs to Javon Carter, which I love. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, DeAndre Ayton, which I I think we can once again repeat. And it's a good place to end it. Actually, this I think this was the best game of DeAndre Ayton's career, regardless of if it was the most points that he's ever scored. Consistently attacking the basket, not taking shots outside of the paint unless they're behind the three-point line, and then protecting the rim at all costs, finding ways to block shots without fouling. It's as good as it gets, and also an insanely high rebounding number. Just repeat again, Shaquille O'Neal said DeAndre Ayton should average 20 and 9. That's completely insane. DeAndre Ayton can average... 12, 13, 14, 15 rebounds at some point in his career. 20 and 9 are bullshit Shaq and Phoenix numbers. He can do better than that. <laughs> exactly. That's fat Shaq, 37 years old. That's Shaq this uh, era. <laughs> DA at his best can do can do that. But I'll tell you what. So two really good games in a row, arguably the best game of his career, as we've yeah. talked about. But Good enough that, uh, you know, I might want to make a YouTube analysis just about these games. I'm not sure yet. It's, Im- it's um, important but- to point out, though, too, Xavier Tillman was guarding him in one. Christian sure. Wood was no, guarding well, him in another with a broken down boogie. He needs to continue well, to do this well. I think he can do it against better bigs like Jokic or whoever's coming up next. 
But yep, I, I do want to point that out because we need him to be consistent against the better bigs as well. And that's exactly that's exactly where I was going with it. It's it's Sorry. it's the big guy. No, no, no. It's just it's that guy. It's Jokic is that dude, and he's coming up next. And if Da rattles off a third great one in a row, yeah, um, against an MVP candidate, then I, you know I'm going off to the moon with this hype campaign. But uh, <laughs> but I'm gonna te- I'm gonna temper expectations until then. You know, I don't I don't think it's reasonable to go from oh, this guy's been disappointing us all all season to, oh, he's suddenly an MVP candidate in the span of three games. We're not going to do that. But um, but yeah, I mean, he's de- he's definitely, he's he's been amazing. There's, there's just nothing negative you can say about his performance over the past two games. It's It's been so, so refreshing to see. Absolutely. Thank you, everyone, for checking in with us on this stream. We appreciate you asking us questions. This was a great time. I think we'll work out some kinks a little, <laughs> a little better in the future Thanks for your patience. Uh, but yep. we appreciate you guys this one will also be up on our podcast feed so if you're listening there uh, we appreciate you guys listening as well we'll be back with our normal podcast this weekend after a few more games hopefully and hopefully some other great games by deandre Ayton and devin booker as well as maybe chris paul kicking we still we, here soon. uh the episode we released two days ago we still didn't get the good game from devin booker and deandre Ayton at the same time that's right soon we'll get it soon i believe one day one day all right thanks guys most people only see their doctor a few days each year for all the other days there's cvs health hub where you can see a provider fill a prescription and grab the essentials you need in just one trip, even on evenings and weekends, for care between doctor visits, from earaches to help with diabetes or sleep apnea. Visit your local CVS Health Hub today. That's healthier made easier. Services vary by location. See cvs.com slash health hub for details. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.